Hello Christchurch, welcome to another episode of Deeper. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 12 and who is this fine gentleman with me? Uh, this is Mark Millington and I did the preach on Sunday so hopefully I'll know a little bit about this chapter. <laughs> Mark, can I just say that Sunday was fantastic. I, I wasn't in church to hear you live, I was hosting the online stuff and it just really gripped me. I, I had the privilege of listening to it twice, listened to it on Saturday, and then listened to it obviously again during the Sunday service. And there's this quote, I mean, I, I read this out online again afterwards, but I just wanted to say it again, because I think it just summarized for me the biggest thing that hit my heart. You said this, this story isn't about a story about a wall, but a story about God and the restoration of his people. And that is the story that even now we continue to sit in, don't we? So that was just, I love that bit. So thank you for giving me your time and doing that. Anyway, we're going to pray and then we're going to get deeper into the passage where we particularly look at Nehemiah 12 and just go even more deeply into the passage because at the moment we're only preaching for between 10 and 15 minutes, which is a challenge, isn't it, Mark? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pray. Father God, I pray as we are just delving more into Nehemiah 12, you would just enliven the passage in our hearts, that we would just see things that we might have missed on Sunday, that we can go deeper and deeper into your word and just see the fruits of what you are trying to say to us today. So it'll be with Mark and I as we have this conversation, as we look deeper at chapter 12. Amen. Amen. Mark, I'll, I'll say a few things that I was thinking about because you've obviously done your talk and I'll say a few things that, that as we just work through this passage that really struck me. Now, you didn't look at chapter 12 verses 1 through to 26. Chapter 12 is a long passage, so you had to focus your input uh, somewhere, but you, did, you didn't talk about this bit. Now, seemingly, it just looks like a whole list of names, but there's more to it than that, I think. So why does Nehemiah list these names of these Levites and priests? Well, I think if we turn to Psalm 112 and verse 6, it says this, I'll read it to you. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. Skip ahead in the Bible to the New Testament and go to Hebrews 13, verse 7. It says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Why do I think that Nehemiah listed these things? I think he listed them so that the people of Israel could remember these great priests and Levites and remember them in the context of this story of rebuilding the wall, but remembering who they were, what they did so that they themselves can imitate them as they try and serve God and live in a godly way. What do you, do you think? Uh, Mark? You, you raised that because on Sunday, poor Rob had to do that passage three times. I know you had to do it once, but you had time to practice. <laughs> he said to me, do you want me to do the passage, read the passage, you want to do it? I'm like, no, 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 please, you do it. And, um, and he didn't even get that part of the, the chapter. No, I know. Imagine. There, were, there were a number of names that weren't there. And, but what we said between us is it actually demonstrates the significance of God's people in the story. Yeah. Sometimes we just think, well, God's doing everything, but actually he's doing everything through his people. And so each one of those names was significant, but they were just people like you and I, weren't they? 
Yeah. And interesting, it's got the word priest in there because it's remembering the priest, but actually we are now the priests of all believers. Amen. And, uh, and so when we think about that, we're thinking about, our, we're, we're significant. We're, we're ministering now and we are going to go down in history for every bit that we do for the kingdom. Every single bit that we do is significant. And so we've got to remember that, haven't we? That we don't miss out. Actually, what my life is, is a gift to God that he might use it for his kingdom's purposes. So don't just read a list of names like that in the Bible. Yeah, that's right. That's just a list of names. There's always significance behind it. Yes, Nehemiah is a historical book and and he's giving us an account of what happened, but it is so key. There was more significance than just a historical document, the reason that he's put them in. Anyway, we then get to the passage that you looked at particularly from verse 27. And we both noticed this, didn't we? As we were just chatting before, we both noticed how many times during this passage either the word thanks or thanksgiving comes up. Do you want to say why that's significant for you, Mark? I do, I, I do because you know, when we think about worship, because this passage really speaks of worship, you know, the people coming together to worship and celebrate. And when we think about how many times, it's actually mentioned five or six times the word thanks or thanksgiving in this. And that's what worship is, isn't it? It's, it's going to God and giving thanks for everything that he is, everything that he does and everything he will do in our lives, just celebrating all those moments. And it got me thinking about, you know, people in my life that aren't thankful. And there's something about people who are thankful that changes the way they live. It changes their, their spirit, their, their, just how kind they are. Because their, their thoughts are not about their own misery or the things that aren't working in their lives. It's always about thinking what God is doing in their lives and all what God is doing in other people's lives as well. Yeah, what about you? Why did that stand out for you? I, I think it was the fact that they gathered this community together to be thankful. So individuals, as have been listed already, who hopefully you think would have been really thankful people, they then gathered this community together to be thankful, to be corporately thankful for what God has done. Clearly, they can see a very clear thing that has been rebuilt. This wall has been rebuilt. So there's something very specific that they can be thankful for, which is obviously what they're doing. They're dedicating the wall, they're dedicating it to God. But like that quote that I said at the start from what you said on Sunday, this isn't a story about a wall. It's a story about God. So what they're actually doing as they are gathering together to be thankful, they are thanking God for his provision. And the fact that they do that, or it says six times, for me, just gives that significance of what worship is. Yeah, absolutely. That that should be at the forefront of our lives. I mean, you're a worship leader. Worship is a massive thing for you. Technically, as a leader of a service, you know, I'm a worship leader. Yeah, you don't hear me play the guitar. I can tell you that for sure. But, you know, we are worship leaders together. And I, when I'm leading a congregation, or as Nehemiah is, as he's gathering a group of people together, I just want to see that group of people, see the congregation, see Christ Church gathering together to worship God for what yeah. he has done. And, and, yeah. I, and I hope during a service that I'm leading, I am doing that five, six times, which is why the, kind of, the number really jumped out at me. Yeah, no, definitely. And I was thinking about the whole like, the wall thing and the transformation of the, the people thing. And the parallel for me is common grace and saving grace. Yeah. So common grace in our lives is all the things around us that we just take for granted that God has given us so things like air to breathe, family to live amongst, friends to have, 
the sunshine, just to be able to go and enjoy nature. All those things are just common grace, but things that keep us safe, like the war was. So things that just keep, keep guarding us and providing space for us to thrive physically, emotionally. But then there's a the spiritual aspect, which is the saving grace thing. Yes. about how when we live out our lives we're thinking about god's saving grace constantly that every day i've got to remind myself that i am saved I, i'm a child of god all those things and to be thankful for both of those things always yes. you know it's like sometimes you can sit down with a bunch of christians and say oh what can we be thankful for and they get mm. and it's and that's terrible and i find myself doing that i just find myself doing that going actually there's so much to be thankful for but yeah. a lot of it we just take for granted yes it's just in our lives all the time so when we think about worship it is just this overflow of thanks, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what we'll do is when we get to our wider bit, the application will look at worship. And particularly at the moment, as we can't sing in church in particular, um, what that looks like, because we've got clearly here a community of people who are gathering together to sing, mm. to worship. But we can't do that in quite the same way. So we'll look at that um, in application. But in verse 27... It says this, um, the Levites were sought out from where they lived. Verse 28, the musicians were also brought together. I think it's so important that we remember that this community of people to dedicate the wall, to praise God for all his faithfulness, has been sought out, has been gathered together. And we are that community. We are that community of Christchurch and particularly our missional communities are those communities of people where we can gather together just like this yeah. and worship. Um, you know, so just on that, Simon, you know, that the relationship between worship and sacrifice, that yeah. our sacrifice is worship, you know, as we see in the New Testament, that we are a living sacrifice, that that is our worship. Yeah. And so when we gather with other people, that, that is a sacrifice. That's yeah. just you know, saying to God, you know, I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to gather with other believers that we might be able to celebrate God together. And that's what they were doing in this passage. Yeah, yeah. Turning over in my Bible, we get to verse 30, and this is interesting, and, and, and we both caught the same sort of end of this, didn't we? Verse 30 says this, when the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates and the wall, and then it continues. Why do you think that's significant, Mark, in this passage, but then also maybe for us today? I think the thing that stands out for this, which I'll go on about the other stuff, but is the gates and the wall? Yeah, okay. purifying gates and purifying walls. But there's something almost sacred about the physical things that are in our lives as well, you know, and that all we have belongs to the Lord. And sometimes we can think about just that, you know, our physical lives or our relationships. And but actually, it's it's everything that we have, you know, just it's everything being dedicated to the Lord. Because that's the other part of this passage, isn't it? Is dedication yes. that they were dedicating things back to God. And so the challenge is, is what do we hold back? From God, what don't we cover with His sanctification? You know, the bit that's setting that apart for Him, because the gates and the walls just seem like well, they're just bits of brick, or they're, they're just bits of metal, whatever they were made out of. And we can do that with our own lives. Well, that's that bit. That's the secular bit of my life. But there's no such thing when you're a spiritual being. Every part of you should yeah. be covered by God's blessing. So therefore, it should be sacrificed to Him. Um, but going back to that, I suppose you know how does that relate to us today? I think that it's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? That the yeah. Holy Spirit is setting us apart by making us more like Jesus. That Jesus was completely set apart by who he was. Yeah. And so, and we're being, being made into his likeness. We're becoming more like him. And so how much are we setting ourselves apart? But we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do that because the people allowed the Holy, well, allowed God to purify them through the priests. 
but how much are we allowing him to do that? So for me, this is about God working something in us that separates us from the things that would contaminate us, uh, the things that would take away the blessing of God and the life of God moving in our lives. Yeah, what about you? I think it's that, that work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And yeah, like Colossians 3, is it verse 12, talks about us being set apart. And, and that is, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating what you just said, but that, that's the point, isn't it? The point of these Israelites were purified by the priests so that they were set apart. You know, that, that is God's chosen people. We, you know, even though I'm not from Jewish heritage, I am a child of God because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And we all can be the same. We can all be sanctified. We can all be set apart because of the work that Jesus did for us. And today, that is the case through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Yeah, and it's a sense of ownership as well. You know, thinking about the New Testament says that um, you are no longer your own. You belong to God. Yeah. And sometimes I think we can forget that, especially in the Western world where we're so obsessed with our rights that we can forget. Actually, we don't we lay down our rights to, to anything in our life that it all belongs to God, that yeah. we, we are belonged to by him. You know, we belong to him. And, and so this sense of it's that partnership then, because the New Testament does talk about clothing yourself with righteousness or putting on. Yes. So there's something very active in that, that we can sit back and go, oh, God will just work it in me. But actually, the New Testament speaks much more highly of you engaging in that process mm -hmm. of actually saying, no, I'm going to choose to be like Jesus. I'm going to choose to take on his nature, his character, that yeah. that's part of being set apart. Yeah, definitely. Anything else for you? I've got one other thing from the passage that I'd just like to chat about before we then move on to uh, application, the wider bit. Is there anything else in the passage that really struck out to you that you didn't necessarily mention on Sunday and that you want to talk a little bit deeper around? You know, one of the things that really stood out for this uh, as we move into application is I was thinking about, like, you know, when you make a jigsaw, do your kids do jigsaws? Yes. And they're, they're not like about the jigsaws, but yes. Like 20 <laughs> to 50 pieces. But if you've ever done a jigsaw, like a thousand pieces, and you spend hours and hours next to them on during lockdown, and it's taken hours and hours. And imagine getting to the end of that, and then one of your kids coming in and just throwing it on the floor, and it just being rubble on the, on the floor. I mean, you would be gutted, wouldn't you? And I'm laughing to stop myself from crying at the thought. <laughs> and it, it's really disheartening you to think, do I start it again? Do, do, I, do I embark on that process of returning that back to what the original picture was meant to look like, what the original design was meant to look like? And I wonder whether Nehemiah, there was a bit of that, where he came to the wall and looked at it and went, this is just rubble. But I think he saw past that. I think he looked at the final picture. Yes. I think God inspired him with such vision that he could see that the people could become what God intended for them to be. And that's the same for us in Christ, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I think that's what this passage really draws out is that sense of hope that we can look at our own lives and we can look at rubble. We can look, to look, look at things that have just been broken down by whatever, through broken relationships, by certain choices that we've made in life. And at, this speaks of hope, you know, that Actually, whatever the rubble is, that God can rebuild in our lives. But we've got to keep our eyes fixed on what the, the intended plan was, you know, God's perfect design over our lives, which is what we see in Scripture, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, that, and that was what I wanted to talk about. The hope, joy, verse 30, uh, 43, rejoice because God has given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoice. The sound of yeah. rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Now, you know, they haven't seen the ultimate redemption plan at this point. Jesus has not... Uh, come onto the scene yet in this part in Nehemiah. Obviously, that's 
a few hundred, I'm not entirely sure how many years later that was, but they are rejoicing because they have seen something tangible that they can see. Yeah, God's doing a work here. He is redeeming his people. He was redeeming Jerusalem, this holy city, this city that's meant to be set apart for them as the children of God. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, as we translate that to us now with Jesus, that is the, that is the case. Yeah. Let's move on to application. We're going to go wider now. Okay, Mark, we are now going to go wide. We've been gone deeper into the passage, looked at the passage. Now, to be fair, we sort of touched a little bit on wider and a few of those things, but wider application from this passage. Let's start by talking about worship. Mark, we can't sing in church at the moment. Yeah. This passage speaks a number of times, as we already talked about, of Thanksgiving, of worship, gathering of people together, church-wise, MC-wise, we're not allowed to sing it, we can still worship. What does that look like for you at this time? Yeah, it's interesting, you're going back to church for the first time on Sunday, physical church. Of church. course, yes. Yeah, uh, first time in five months uh, that I've been there to be part of a worship service, and it was different. But what it did do, it made me think about the words that were being sung from the front, because it's so easy with some worship just to go through the motions. And, and it, so it really helped me to reflect on, do I actually mean this? Do, you know, the words I'm actually thinking about as Mark sang over the congregation, it made me think, actually, am I aligned to this? And so this is a time really of, of thinking about worship in its truest sense, that's something that comes from the heart rather than from the mouth. And so that, that's a good challenge for us at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, for me, so as I am trying to lead you know, physical church, lead people in worship, it is that pointing to the words. and and I. I've, I think every single time I've led physical church, been drawn to a psalm, you know, the, that historical thing that was written by David or somebody else, that we can then now think this still applies today. We are still worshipping the same God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. That we are saying these things out. Yeah, we're not singing them, but we're saying these things out. And it, and it is focusing our hearts and our minds on the worship of God dare I say it, above the experience of what we sometimes can do as we are singing and in a worshipful state. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong, that is not wrong at all. It is so important that we experience the Holy Spirit as we worship. The yeah. Holy Spirit can truly minister to us as we worship. That is so important. That is so biblical. However, sometimes I wonder whether when we gather, when we sing, we do it for the sense of what we can experience as a result of singing, rather than actually we gather together to worship God. Wherever we are, whatever's gone on that week, whatever we're feeling like, whether we're like that jigsaw that just feels like it's just been scattered across the floor, we come to worship the living God. Yeah. And if and when the Holy Spirit encounters with us, ministers to us, that is a real blessing. But that isn't the thing that we should go to worship for. We should step into a place of worship to worship the King. And I think what worship does as well is it opens you up to his voice in your life. Amen. The times that I've just got stuck and gone round and round on an issue. I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, in certain relationships, things can be difficult. And, uh, you know, when you hit those moments and you're like, you get obsessed with trying to find a resolution uh, of how to move it on. It normally involves me being right. 
And so, you know, stepping back from that, the times that I've really changed in that mo moment is when I've worshipped. Yes. Because you get a new perspective, you get a new voice speaking into your situation. And I love that about worship, how scripture, when we use scripture as worship, it speaks something new into us. Mm. And, and so these songs that we sing should, to, should minister to our souls. But why not just say them over ourselves during these times? Let's get those words into our hearts because that's worship. True worship is honoring God before ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. And I think as well as an application directly from this passage, there is that act of gathering to worship. I think yeah. it's so important that our whole lives are acts of worship. Everything that we do is an act of worship, is an act of reverence to God, is, is witnessing to him, is to you know, proclaim his name not necessarily verbally, but in the way we're living our lives. Yeah. But here, the community, the Levites, the musicians, the, the people in the city, they are gathered together to worship God and obviously yeah. dedicate the wall. There's something about gathering. So I think for us, and this is probably a question that I would ask, and we'll go on to questions in a moment, but how are we gathering together to worship? How are you gathering together to worship? Are you part of a missional community? where mission communities gather together to worship. Are you gathering together, whether it's online or whether it is physically in church, to worship corporately? And I would say that even if you're gathering online rather than physically, if that's right for you at the moment, join us live. Make that time, half past 10 on a Sunday, where yes, you may be at home by yourself, but you are with us corporately joining together to worship God. And there is something biblical something healthy something about that that real has significance so yeah i think yeah. i think it'd be a question for us go on sorry just very quickly on that that, that worship wasn't just not just about um, lifting god in that passage it was a declaration to everybody in the surrounding area about who their god was yes. and i i love that 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 verse in in i don't know if you've kept notes of it here but that that verse that says um, that the people around Jerusalem could hear what was yeah verse forty three the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Come on, don't you love that? You know, and I said this on Sunday in my sermon. It wouldn't it be great if the people of Southport, through the demonstration of worship in Christchurch, and I don't just mean the singing on a Sunday morning, but just the way we live our lives in honor of God, would speak something about how great God is. That's definitely true. Come on. Let's move on to some questions, Mark. So we're going to go further now. Mark, we've gone deeper into the passage. We've gone wider in uh, application. We kind of did application a little bit in the deeper bit and also in the wider. But some questions that people can now ponder. Have you got a question for people to ponder in the mission communities or by themselves, depending on where they're watching this? Yeah, so I've got, I've got um, trusting God is rebuilding. It's allowing him to rebuild. And, um, and so a question is, are you allowing God to rebuild you? Are there certain areas of your life that you're holding back from God? Because all you can see is rubble and you don't really have hope that God can do anything with that. Um, will you trust the Holy Spirit? But will you sacrifice that to a community as well? Will you find someone, at the very least, one person who you can share that with, that they might share hope with you and walk with you? So that's one thing. And... Um, and the second thing for me is, like you mentioned earlier, this was a community issue, that people were doing this in community. So I put, will you give your life in supporting other people rebuild their lives? You know, that would, everything that we are, always think about how can I support somebody else effectively become like Jesus? Because Jesus was whole in every area of his life. And that's what I want in my relationships, 
with God, with, with my wife, with my children, with people around me. I want to be good there. I want to feel whole. So but I want that for other people as well. And so will I give myself to community that other, other people might know that fullness of God in their lives? Because if, if we can truly do that, we will see God truly move in our lives. It's a community thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And if you're not a part of a mission community, not a part of a small group, get in contact with me, get in contact with Steve, and we would love to signpost you to mission communities who have continued to meet during lockdown, yet in different capacities, but they are going on now, meeting together, worshipping together. So do be in contact if that's you. Um, I've got two. Um, I had one at the start of this, but during our conversation, I'm going to ask a very simple question, which is, what can you be thankful for today? Simple. You know, and actually now, stop, pause the video, and just say some things that you are thankful to God for in your life. And just praise him as a result. So that would be, that would be my number one. Um, and then I would then also say, we're not singing in church. Worship looks different. What does worship look like for you at this time? And how are you endeavouring to go about worshipping God, even though we can't sing? What that might look like for each and every one of us may be different. It may be reading the Psalms, it may be reading scripture, it may be praying in tongues, it may be just speaking out our praises. Whatever that looks like, how are you endeavouring to worship God? Right. That'd be mine. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you just mind closing us in prayer? Would that be all right? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, we thank you that you are not far off. That, Lord, even when we, all we can see is rubble, Lord, you are close. Lord, that you, um, you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, those who uh, have lost hope, Lord, I pray you would bring hope today. Lord, I thank you that this passage reminds us of, of what can be rebuilt and that the celebration and the joy and the worship that will arise out of that process. So, Lord, I pray, God, you would give strength to our soul and our spirit, Lord, as we give ourselves to becoming like Christ, to becoming whole, to becoming rebuilt, Lord, that that might bring glory to you, Lord, and speak of you to the nations. Amen. Amen. We will see you on Sunday for the final talk on Nehemiah. And then we'll have one more deeper looking at Nehemiah. And then we'll carry on our deepers looking at whatever is coming out next. So thank you, Mark. God bless you. Right. See you soon. Bye.